0: Hey you over there with your looming deadline. You've got a great mind, but your butts aren't doing you any favors. So stop whining and start writing. Right after you procrastinate with the love writing doctors, Lee and Allison. Welcome back to the Love Writing Podcast. Get ready for a much-needed dose of butt therapy, or as I like to call it, cognitive butt therapy, but more on our not-patented approach in a bit. I'm Allison, an exiled academic turned writer and freelance editor.
1: I'm Lee, a rhetorical scholar, tenure-track academic, and a newly beloved lover of butt puns. (laughs) And together, we are the... Love Writing
0: Doctors. (laughs) Doctors. (laughs) We're going to get it one day. So, Lee, what does your butt need therapizing about today?
1: Uh, my butt has writer's block. All the writer's block. All the writer's block. Um, oh, and book. I should mention, if if you haven't listened to episode one of the podcast, that's where we diagnosed the excuse, but writer's block and our uh, giant self-imposed boulders in our Jesus caves. So you may want to do that first, but if you want to just jump right into some cognitive butt therapy, you can just stick with this episode. Yep. Through our
0: definitely not patented technique of cognitive butt therapy, we'll talk about how to reframe your relationship to writing, where your butts are not the awkward middleman getting in your way. Cognitive butt therapy is a riff off the real psychology of cognitive behavioral therapy, where you change your mind patterns and your behavioral patterns. But cognitive butt therapy, we have geared specifically towards writers whose butts keep getting in their own damn way. And not in like the Kardashian butt way that can make you famous. Right. Well, I mean, that's the goal. Kim Kardashian's butt broke the internet. And I hope one day that my writing will (laughs) break the internet. But sometimes your butt is too big to fit into a dream. Dress that Marilyn Monroe wore and you can't zip it up all the way. So you have to ruin the dress with what I thought was a cheap looking fur at the Met Gala. Or Met Ball, whatever, Wait, whatever. Did the that happen? People call it. Yes, it actually happened. This bitch went to Ripley's, who owned the dress, and was like, "I want to wear her exact dress." And then, of course, all the conservationists were freaking out because it's a very fragile dress, and her ass too big for it. Her ass got in the way and harmed a historical thing. And then she then she changed in to an exact replica of the dress, but just had more room for her butt in it. So you know, maybe maybe she got some cognitive butt therapy by getting a better dress. Or that's a really good example.
1: Of- of your entitled butts versus your real
0: butts oh that's true that's true <laughs> my penchant for the kardashians always always makes me biased towards them Anyway, today we're going to be talking about real solutions to the abstract problem of writing butts. It's time
1: to therapize your butts. And of course, we'll talk about what it means to love academic writing. So this episode, I'm going to take the lead on a little bit. Allison and I are trying to be practical here. What we, what we want to do is complain and slightly commiserate for just hours. But we made an agreement that episode two, we try to give you solutions. And we'd also sort of talk about um, some, some diagnoses. So bitch a little, solve a little. It's like the best of, best of all the worlds. Uh, So let me tell you a little bit about what I have done to help with my butt writer's block. And then Allison can hop in and give us some of the things that Allison has done. So first of all, to prep for this episode, I figured... As I mentioned in the previous episode, I have been on a writing stall for four weeks after a long period of productivity. Thanks in in large part to Allison's tutelage and developmental editing. I have been very productive. I know, finished several manuscripts, submitted some more stuff, did some R&Rs, wrote a book. I mean, it's been a big Casual, it's casual. But then for the last four weeks, just like, (laughs) no bigs. But then for the last two weeks or last four weeks, it has been nada, right? Nothing. So I figured if I'm going to teach everyone else how to do this, (laughs) I had better get my ass writing or in here's what I did right right or yes that's true right I'm sort of therapizing myself so I can we can therapize you the first thing I did is what I didn't do so the first thing to do is not to do this so <laughs> if you start doing it like you shut it down and it's beat the shit out of myself for not writing Ugh. I'm so, so number good at that. one is like, I know, but it is not helpful. Mm. It's so tempting. And and if you were raised, if you if you were raised either academically or as a biological thing as a child by people who thought that like criticism was motivating, your instinct is to self-criticize. But if you really sit down and think about it, it doesn't get you to do anything. Yeah. If it really doesn't. That's, so it's number so one, true. no shit talking ourselves. Yeah. Yes. And number two, no telling ourselves lies. No telling myself lies like I don't have time when I did, or uh, oh my favorite. I'm going to binge write this weekend when I'm not. So I just planned (laughs) the same 10 minutes Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday Uh that I had been doing. And I kept asking myself throughout the day, "Uh, you're going to write now. And then when I said no, I was like, okay, you're going to write now. And then when 10 o'clock rolled around and I clearly was just like, not going to do it. I would just tell myself the truth. I'm choosing not to write at the moment. And I'm just going to accept all the shitty consequences that will come with it. Like tomorrow I'm going to be even further behind. I'm going to be mad at myself. I may not have like a publication this year because got to get shit in the pipeline really early with academia I'm not going to beat myself up but I'm also not going to sit here and pretend like all of this will just magically be solved because I'm not writing Mm. right now those are my shitty consequences and I
0: accept them Mm. I mean it sounds like you're really working the steps of cognitive butt therapy you're changing how you're you're (laughs) thinking about it and then you're also changing your actions I really identify with the beating yourself up for not writing I think especially if we were raised in academia this sort of obsession with productivity which is very capitalist I might add as we use our Marxist theory anyway, it's this sort of like, if you're not working all of the time, then you don't want this enough. That was my sort of mentality when I was in grad school. And I think to a certain extent, we we all became writers, especially academic writers, because we are willing to work hard. But that also means we, we hold ourselves to an impossibly high standard. And when we do that, we're setting ourselves up for failure. I, and this is absolutely one of the most radical things that I've done. Uh, I think in the past year or two with my writing is to allow myself to have periods where I'm not writing. A lot of the times that's because my depression flares up and it's just not, you know, I just have to focus on living and working and the things I don't get paid for sort of go, go out the window first. But I have gotten myself stuck in Jesus's cave, unable to rise from the dead and get out of it because I'm just beating myself for not writing. I think that's something that we all struggle with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's like the both and. I mean, this is what I love about being trained right. as a rhetorician. It's like, look, your struggle can be real and pain is valid and also I'm being entitled and need to get over it. Both are real. Both are true yeah. and it's not a one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, the entitled versus you need to give yourself
0: a real break. I don't know where that line is yeah. for myself, but I do think that it's easier to spot in
1: others. Well, and I think this is what the podcast is about. Like, let's Work through with real concrete examples since you and I are both writers of varying stripes right the academic yes but also the intellectual the scholarly the public right right and now that I
0: only dev at help other people write academic writing and I don't do it myself I think it's weirdly made me a better academic writer but it's also gotten me out of that toxic mindset of I'm not writing therefore I am not a writer therefore like just give up and like call the whole thing off and I think (laughs) the reason why we're so sarcastic and the reason why our first episode is a rant about how bullshit your butts are is because a lot of the time, all of this self-care mantra that we tell to ourselves, we're not applying in a meaningful way that's going to produce a change in our behavior and our thought patterns. Instead, we use that self-care mantra of like, but I need a break or but this Mm. semester was really hard or but like I have to grade so much or but this student filed a Complaining against me, and now I have to deal with that. And I think mm. it's just so hard to know where that line of where it's a bullshit reason, and you're just sort of self gratifying yourself. You're in that Plato's cave of a pity party monster, as it were. And I think that's the easiest problem to fix with your writing is your fucking. Privilege.
1: For sure, yeah. And also, the more you settle into thinking about this without judgment, the easier it is to be like, oh yeah, I just needed a break. And in fact, spoiler alert: after I go go through this whole long process of how I fixed this, one of the things I realized is, oh, I just needed and deserved a break. I had to stop beating the shit out of myself and think about things before I could get there. So before I realized that though, if we rewind back to the beginning of the process. So after I committed to like, okay, we keep the same Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, 10 minute schedule, right? We're not going to fake it. We're not going to lie. We're not going to try to catch up. I mean, we're just going to like stay the course. And every time we don't write, try to figure out why. The next thing I did, I just paid attention to what I was thinking. made an agreement with myself Mm. that I don't have to write because like I don't have to do anything and telling myself I have to write like isn't true and it's also not helpful but I do Mm. want to listen and notice what I'm thinking when I'm not writing so that was the first thing I did Mm. and I talked about some thoughts in the last episode but just to reiterate I mean I wrote down thoughts just like every time I didn't write I just really like what is your brain telling you right now and my Mm -hmm. brain rarely actually in the moment thought the thought I have writer's block it always thought Mm. thoughts that's kind of like how I thought about it in the abstract or I was talking to a friend or something I might say that as like a summary mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. what I was actually thinking was like starting over is hard after all that productivity Ugh. and having finished a lot of projects mm-hmm. especially things I was working on for years it was like oh my god a new yeah. project I thought I mean, things just like book yes that, right. that's
0: huge I mean getting a book manuscript done is pretty huge I think that qualifies you to
1: therapize writing books yeah right for sure I thought <laughs> things like uh it doesn't have enough contribution to my field I don't have a theory you told me that uh, a lot. Yeah. yeah why does any Anybody care about this? Is this text not important enough? Have we already studied this Mm. enough? It's also, in this case, I don't usually use text by white people. I try not to, but in this case, it's like a white person. It's a visual from a famous white person. And it's like, oh, do we need another person talking about this? (laughs) Except the whole reason to talk about it is to talk about how the, like, oh, this white person did great stuff for civil rights may be actually not correct, right? It might, like, they might be misunderstanding what the text did. So I just had all the thoughts. And I mean, I could go on and on, right? I realized that's what was happening, it did it did help bring me down. Like I don't have writer's block. I have normal writer's thoughts. I have normal thoughts yeah. about writing being challenging that are all things exactly. that are good to think because I am supposed to make a contribution to my field. So either I can sit here mm-hmm. and worry about how I'm not making enough of a contribution or I can do the hard work of thinking like what is the contribution. And then the second thing I did is I reevaluated my minimum baseline. Okay. So minimum baselines are going to be a thing I talk mm. about throughout the podcast. They have been a game changer for me as I like a you get this neurodivergent, ADHD, PTSD, yep. just like all, all the stress, all the pressure, codependent, alcoholic family raising. I mean, I have all of the type Ugh. A set the bar too high shit that defeats me all the time. And so the minimum yeah, baseline same. has become essential to me. Right. So for months, mm-hmm. my minimum baseline was to write Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for just a few minutes slash add a couple sentences to the document. And I got a lot done that way for months. It was like, that's the minimum baseline. But the thing about a minimum baseline is it has to be the absolute minimum you you can do like it has to be so easy. You can't not do it, mm, but it's a, like moving, tar- it's a moving target. Yes. And clearly I had to scale back my minimum because if you're not doing it, it's not your minimum baseline. So I thought like, uh. what is really the absolutely impossible not to do thing? And the answer I came up with after several like days of not writing and, and kind of experimenting with myself is okay. The easiest thing to do is lie in bed with coffee and read some of an essay on my iPad.
0: Yes. Just hearing you explain that, it felt like my own like cognitive hurdles of starting writing were sort of lifted in just allowing yourself to get started on your phone with coffee in bed because that's exactly what I do.
1: <laughs> Dude, I love writing on my phone. I tell people I write on my phone all the time and they look at me like I'm an insane person and I'm like, I yeah. get a lot of shit done. Get writing on my phone.
0: I actually think that writing, sometimes a Microsoft Word document is too rarefied for For me, it's too daunting. And then, you know, I'm in Google Docs all day for work and podcast and newsletter stuff. Lately, my sort of work around to that has been handwriting in a sketchbook with no lines. And that's really how I write copy these days because copy, you have to be so tight with words. But it's just about getting out of your head and just being like, I can work on this for 10 minutes. And the thing about large writing projects is if you drop it for two weeks and you come back to it, you're spending, I mean, if you're talking about a book-length manuscript, you're spending at least a week just getting back into what did I write? Where did I need to go? What needs to be done? I have to re-remember what I wrote and that itself takes time. But having that just 10 minutes a day, then you keep those ideas knocking around in your head as you go about your day. That way, returning to it is less daunting. It's like, for me, the longer the time passes between returning to a writing project, the harder it is for me to go back into it. So I think I really like your solution of just 10 minutes a day. That seems very manageable in my mind. I'm like, you can't get anything done in twenty min- In 10 minutes. I'm going to make mine 20 minutes. But that's because I still have a lot of toxic, mm. competitive, overproductivity hangups from my, my stint in academia.
1: Well, also remember, like my minimum right now is not 10 minutes a day. That was great for a long time. But then after four weeks of, of not doing 10 minutes a mm-hmm. day, I was like, okay, what actually is the minimum and I was like three days a week Tuesday Thursday Saturday my non-teaching days and then I I just wanted to give myself Sunday off because I realized after a while I can't teach and write seven days a week so it was like I I could get up in the morning yeah I could get up in the morning I could make myself a cup of coffee or whatever it is you drink I could lie in my bed with like either like a printed PDF or whatever a tablet and I could read or a book and I could read a couple pages and see if anything sparks or I want to use something and it's like when you're doing shit like that it's really hard not to feel like such a raging entitled asshole to be like Mm. I'm so stressed that I can't sit and drink coffee and read Stuart Hall it's like yes of course I can it's the greatest thing I could possibly do and this I can do Right, And I know if I do this three days a week for a couple of minutes, I will eventually be able to do the next thing. So the next task that I put on my calendar, after I realized this had to be the minimum baseline, the next task I put on my calendar next time I had a writing day was download some articles on the subject I'm writing Mm -hmm. about. And it didn't matter if they were good or in my field or whatever. I just needed things to think about. So even short articles or pieces about curriculum Mm -hmm. where they're like, oh, I use this text to teach blah, blah to 10-year-olds. It's like... It works because it gears up my brain and it's an easy piece to start with. So I downloaded some stuff off Google Scholar. I didn't worry about whether it was good or if it was like everything. I just, I'm going to get like five of these things. I stuck them in a folder. And then as I found things I might actually want to do, I just put a bunch of links in an article that I like couldn't access or that just seemed like way too heady. And I was like, you know, down the road, I can download these from the library if I need them. But I did not, did not force myself to sit there for two hours Mm. and try to get everything ever published as if I even could about this super famous image. Cause all I needed were like half a dozen of something. So I spent about 20 minutes. I got a couple of things. I stuck them in a folder and then I was like, okay, next writing block. It's a couple pages, read, highlight some bullshit. Cause I love highlighting. I mean, everybody's always like highlighting isn't effective and it's not productive. So then when you go to highlight shit, you get all, you get all uh, in your head about like, oh, blah, blah, blah. it's like minimum baselines, minimum baselines. What's my minimum? Highlight some sentences, drink some fucking coffee. Yeah. Actually I'm a big fan of highlighting, especially when I am
0: working with clients and I kind of want to return to what you began this episode with was all those self-doubts of what's my contribution this isn't good enough I can't do this you were so over the book by the time like we came to work on it together and you really you couldn't see the forest through the trees but the whole time you had the book all you needed all I I shouldn't even say this because you know all I did for you was read your drafts, highlight the most important sentences, and then put it into an outline for you. I really, all I did was mirror back your own work. And I think that's where you were like, oh, I do have this. I know I'm sick of writing about this because this was my (laughs) dissertation. But another thing that I saw coming up for you was you had so many cool ideas of where you wanted to take the book, Mm. but that was all different
1: projects. Well, yeah, and that's where you were the most valuable was you reminded me it was a good project. And I know it's a good project. I I did it. And there was a reason I liked it, but it was nice for somebody to be like, oh, this is cool. Oh, that's cool. Oh, you should punch this. Oh, I'm getting lost here. Cause it was like, oh yeah, I love this. I love working on this. I don't have writer's block. I have difficult thoughts to think because that's what writing is.
0: (laughs) And also, I mean, academic writing is nothing but difficult thoughts. And sometimes I think we get confused that a difficult thought is a profound thought, And that's one thing that I really enjoyed about dev editing your manuscript because damn, you are concise with words. It is so, it's so refreshing to meet an academic who does not write like I do.
1: (laughs) And it's a flip kind of pressure because then it's like every sentence matters a lot. And I have to remind myself, like, even though I don't write a lot of sentences, they're still allowed to be shitty. Exactly. This block, I wasn't getting any writing done. So I downloaded my articles and then actually a couple more days, I didn't do anything. I had them sitting in a folder, but I was still being a bullshitty, but I kept up with my process like okay could you just pull up a page and could you just highlight and read could you just get coffee like no beating yourself up but mm-hmm. no also just like checking out of the situation and no lying to yourself and saying you'll catch up later so then eventually one day on my writing day and this is uh, Tuesday April 19th for those of you keeping track I woke up made my coffee I got back in bed mm-hmm. I pulled up an article it was a sh- it was a shitty article too and I read a couple pages not thinking anything other than, thank God I'm doing something. And also this isn't enough. The whole time my brain's like, Lee, this isn't enough. You're never going to get shit done. Mm. And I had to be like, it's enough because mm. it's better than nothing. And then lo and behold, yeah. there was a sentence in the essay that wasn't good because it was right. It was good because it was wrong. And it got me thinking. So I pasted the quote into my essay with a link to the citation and bam, writing done. Right? Right. So it's like my Mm -hmm. new minimum baseline now is to keep doing that until the point where I'm now clearly spinning my wheels reading and now it's time to switch gears again. So now we're talking about like that took all of 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. I think you successfully enacted (laughs) cognitive butt therapy for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I I had to. It just takes a little bit of self-awareness. You know, it's like by any means necessary, we have to get this writing done. I like the idea of making the task smaller, like 10 minutes that's that's a really valuable tool that I'm going to take away from this episode so thank you for sharing all your dirty butts
1: and again if you try 10 minutes and it's like oh no 10 minutes is not I can't do 10 minutes then maybe do 2 minutes or literally lie in bed and read some shit with a cup of coffee this is what started to happen for me is that after I finally did a few minutes of writing and research I thought about it and what worked and what didn't work when the moment came where I was like oh reading's not enough like what did I say to myself well I was like look if all you do every Day is read for a few minutes. You're not ever going to get an essay written, but the goal right now isn't to get an essay written. It's to start thinking about the essay again. So I just had to talk to myself a Uh, lot, like we talk to students. I like yeah. So it's important that you like always remember that just because you think a thought doesn't make it true. Yeah, my brain was like, this isn't enough, and I was like, well, it's also not enough to literally fucking just say I have writer's block and then give up. That's definitely not enough. This at least isn't that. You know what I mean?
0: Exactly. You know, sometimes writing doesn't look like writing, Mm -hmm. but you're still working through those concepts. And that's something that I've been, you know, in terms of being more forgiving with yourself because I've been work from home since before the pandemic and my partner also works from home now and they keep very normal business hours and I've sort of trained myself to keep working hours alongside that so that we can hang out in the evening or whatever. There're some days where I stop before Nat gets off or just Peter out or I start much later because I need to look at more dog videos on Instagram before I can get started. (laughs) But the thing that I'm trying to remind myself is like, sometimes when you're thinking about something, it doesn't look like you're working at all, but you're still chewing on it in your mind. And I think your strategy that you worked out is a way of allowing yourself to be self-aware of when you're doing that so that you can sort of hone, hone it more So it's like you're doing everything but the actual writing because right now that's just too daunting yeah. or let's be real to really write a good chunk of a peer review essay you need at least three hours of time or at least I do I do not I do not um, at all that's oh bless you and that's the other thing is everybody's method you have to find a way of working that works for you your brain and yourself well
1: you may also like we may want to do an episode on like but I need three hours because it depends on what you mean by that but that right. kept me not yeah. writing for a long time
0: yeah yeah no it's true I just when I off chunks of writing time I actually do it in chunks of three hours just because that's the time that I need to sort of settle into whatever I'm working on and like come up with some viable thoughts and spit them out on the page and that's just sort of become my, in some ways the three hours is my ten minutes when I'm at my writing
1: peak, but right now I'm not. There's a difference between what is your maximum productive day and what is your minimum baseline. What I find Is that the more I do my minimum baseline, the more once in a while I? You have a three hour day. It's just that's not my expectation because as soon as you make your expectation, oh, I'm going to write four hours on Saturday. Think about what happens when you go at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. or whatever and sit down to write for that four hours. You're going to come up with all the fucking excuses. Mm. Now, sometimes mm-hmm. it's fine because you've worked up to that point. But if you're like me right. and yeah. you have not been writing for a long time for a long time, you got to be honest with yourself oh, and yeah. be like, look, I would love a three no. hour day, but that was six months ago. I'm not there. Today? What is the minimum I can do today? And you have to have some trust. And this is the last thing I'll say because I think, um, other than celebrating your small wins, which I think this is important, like, great, you only, I only read a couple sentences of a shitty article and then I copied and pasted some notes into a document. I could shit on that pretty easily. Or I could be like, good job, because for four weeks you did nothing, and today you did something. And look how smart you are that anybody else would have read this cliche-ass sentence and been like, oh, obviously. But you read the sentence, and you were like, ah, that's not true. Like, what you said the text is doing is not what the text is doing. That's what you want the text to be Mm. doing so you can be a good white liberal. Like, look at how (laughs) your brain works. That's awesome. Uh And I know, most people listening here, it's like, well, that's narcissistic and stuck up and, like, egotistical. It's like, no, it's not. It's I self-care. Don't think most people are oh, I do. That. I think if you tell, I think if you tell most people of color or women or women adjacent academics that they should celebrate copying pasting a sentence into a document, they're going to give you all the reasons why not.
0: Well, I mean, that's because people who don't suffer from a melanin deficiency, they're just better. We're we're at a <laughs> we're at a deficit with all of our white privilege and all of our bullshit excuses that have been codified as to real reasons, especially for white women. And our like a supposed victimhood status—it's all about. You just got to get the fuck out of your head. Yes, and you've got to be self-aware enough to know that in some countries there is war. And there are still writers
1: writing it. I know. Well, and in some ways they're writing more, right? Because now getting that information out to exactly. people saves lives. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, I get it. I mean, I pasted a couple sentences, but I celebrated myself. I resisted the temptation to shit on that kind of effort because if you shit on it, you're not going to do it again. It goes against cognitive It blood really therapy. does. And then in the end, it consistently showing up half-ass is always better than like an inconsistent full-assing. Preach. That's my new
0: motto. I'm writing that down.
1: That's all I got. You got anything else? Well, thanks all you
0: listeners who we don't know who you are yet for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Next episode, I'll be sharing my writing butts, which is, but I'm so far behind and why that excuse is not really valid. So hope you enjoyed. Please like and subscribe and catch you on the flip side.
1: That's all there wrote, y'all. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. For more love, connect with Lee and Allison
0: on social media and submit a request to get your writing therapies for free. It's
1: all in the episode show notes. Now get that cute butt writing, XOXO, love academic writing.